it, John, it's almost the end of January. Where, where, did, where did the time go? What's going on? Oh, good heavens. Time is slipping through our fingers. It's all over. It's, yep, yep, it's, yep. <laughs> hey, everybody, uh, how's it going? <laughs> hello, hello again, everyone. Um, we, we are, we are back today, uh... To continue our discussion of Psycolonials, um, and hopefully wrap up this uh, absolute behemoth of a, of a hussy work. Um, yep. In the meantime, though, uh, John, anything fun going on right now? Uh, you got got anything uh, enjoyable going on in your life since last time we talked? Um, let's see. Last time we talked. Oh, oh! I just remembered that you. I, I, I was on Twitter last night uh-huh. and uh, I, you, you know, when I, when I talked about seeing Shin Ultraman last episode, I talked about yeah. a, a moment that I really like uh, somebody, the, 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 there's a clip of it and now I can, I can show you what I was talking about. I, I, I <laughs> okay. It's only like 15 seconds long. So okay, let me take a look at this. Holy shit. What the fuck? Like I said. Like I said in the last episode. Okay. Shin Ultraman. G- great, great theater experience. Very, <laughs> that's very ca- fun movie. That's kind of fucking awesome. I appreciate that. I respect it. I uh, get it now. <laughs> uh, but besides that, uh, I, for everybody who's interested, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll link the clip somewhere. Uh, once we actually put last episode up, uh, <laughs> um, in real time, but, that's going out. Uh, I think today, tonight, or tomorrow, as yeah, we record this. Yeah, patrons are getting it tonight. Everyone else will get it on Monday. But hearing that now, you'll all already have it, so it's kind of redundant. Who cares? Sure. Who cares? Uh, things I've done. Since the last recording, I watched American Psycho for the first time. Oh, uh, I, I I think I I've said many times before that that media in general just constantly evaded me throughout my entire life. So there there's like vast swaths of things that people like know about and have seen before that I just haven't. Uh, and American Psycho was one of those movies. Uh, what'd you think? I, <laughs> I thought it was a fun little time. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I kind of had this moment. Well, a, a very long moment that that sp- spanned the entirety of the movie and like a little bit afterwards, where I was like, "Damn, why do people relate to this guy?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why, why is he the face of like Sigma posting? Uh, like unironic Sigma posting. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it's 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 a weird experience to um uh, know about the movie from just the years of memes about it, the decades of memes about it even. Um, and for me, most of that was just like you know he's the he's the raincoat man, he's the funny dubs guy, you know, check him. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I watched the movie for the first time like I think last year, uh, around or right before all of the epic. Sigma Bateman posting like really started to take off amongst our nation's uh small children. Um 
And, uh, yeah, seeing that movie and then seeing, like, uh, uh, legions of Zoomers start to self-identify with the character, very odd and concerning experience. <laughs> uh, this will definitely not have consequences on, on our youth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I don't, I don't want to fearmonger too bad about, you know, whether the kids these days are all, all right. But I think there is something interesting there with, um, how satirical, uh, the film is and like how the point of it is kind of spoilers that like Bateman is such a like empty and plastic person that um he's in a from anywhere around him I, I think there's something interesting there if the like zoomers are getting it on that level and like identifying with that in in modern times but like also I feel like most of these kids are just like damn he's so cool I want to be just like him I'm sorry. I, I totally talked over. Yeah. I, I'm totally talking over you. This is your time. Tell me all about your thoughts of having seen American Psycho for the first time because I do love that movie. <laughs> um, shout out to the scene where he's he's butt naked and running around with a chainsaw. That one's good. Uh, <laughs> I thought about that scene for a while. Uh, I don't know. I liked it. I I I feel like I got it. I feel like I understood. I feel like I've retained information from the film. I don't know what else to say. I, I <laughs> what, what was your favorite part uh, besides him running around naked with a chainsaw? Uh, m- m- my favorite part is is probably not like a single part, but it's probably multiple parts, and probably ha- has more to do with what the film is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, is literally every moment where. Nobody knew who anybody was at any given time. Like, like anytime somebody was referred to as a different person and they were not that person. It's so good. Uh, it's, it's, it was so good. <laughs> yeah. I, I love all that stuff. And I love like the, I, I think that that goes in with like how, uh, replaceable and like on unique, um, everyone in the, in, in that movie is, um, yeah. my, my favorite detail personally is in the famous scene where they're comparing business cards. That's a good one. <laughs> um, specifically, that all of their business cards misspell the name of the firm, and none of them notice. <laughs> I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, it's one of the words on there is like spelled wrong on every card. It's the same misspelling, I think, every time. Um, but it's like some. It's like a just a typo, just there, and they never acknowledge it. Um, and I, I think that that's hilarious. Um, yeah. Good movie. Fucking great movie. Uh, I, I, I love that movie. Um, I, I would give, would give it a solid recommendation. Um. Absolutely. May, maybe if you're, if you're uh, not old enough to get into R-rated movies yet, uh, maybe give it a little bit. Um, maybe if you're at a point in your life where you're going to look at uh, Patrick Bateman and think like, damn, I want to be a Sigma male like him, you know, wait until <laughs> you're like 19 or 20 to watch it. But uh, yeah, a whole full th- full throated recommendation um, for American Psycho. Great, great fucking film. Um, let's see. Uh, I would go over what I've been up to, but uh, it really hasn't been much. Um, I finished the first season of The Sopranos. Um, and I thought it was really, really good. And uh, I think Tony is really just like me. <laughs> uh, so that's where I'm at. Um. And uh, really, I'm just trying to cut down uh, on our pre-subject matter babble, because last time 
I had five pages of notes summarizing what we covered in Psycholonials, and this time I have 15. And last episode was uh, almost two hours long. So I'm going to say, what do you say? Uh, we cut the crap and we go straight to uh, our recap of Psycholonials. Let's get to it. Let's jump on in. All right. Awesome. So uh, last time uh, we covered the first four chapters of the story. Um, and we ended with the point at which, uh, Percy, the original simp, uh, arrives on the island, and, uh, Z saves him from the police, um, murders a couple of officers in the process, and, uh, seduces him in the abandoned restaurant that she used to work at before the pandemic. Um, so shit has kind of started to hit the fan in the world of Psycholonials. So we pick back up at the beginning of chapter five. Um, Z, Abby, and Percy have rented out an Airbnb to lay low. Uh, the footage of Z killing the two police officers has now gone viral, and there remains pretty much no plausible deniability for her left. Um, Z herself still insists that everything happening is due to the incident a month ago, and that her all of her actions since then have been righteous and purely in self-defense. Uh, she contemplates telling her fanbase the truth about the first murder, um, and notes to herself that it would be a good branding move, and that her followers at this point would be receptive to waging war with the police. Abby is concerned that she would be found complicit if the cops discovered their Bitcoin operation now that the eyes are on them, um, which leads to Z hurriedly explaining to Percy that the police actually arrested him because she gave him his photo once and not due to Bitcoin fraud, like she had lied to him at first. Uh, Percy doesn't have much to say about this, and just kind of sits there smiling like an NPC, presumably too caught up in the glory of now hanging out with his favorite e-girls. Uh, Abby is still upset with Z that she won't let her in on any of her secret plans, um, to which Z responds, uh, with basically hushing her and asking her just to trust her. Um, Z at this point has a nasty cough that just seems to be getting worse, uh, but this, she doesn't let it stop her. Uh, Z and Percy drive to an island, to the westmost point of the island, uh, where they are greeted by a small armada of private boats full of loyal fans, who Z has organized to transport her Jubilite followers to the island. Percy here appears crestfallen that he is no longer the only simp in town, but she gets him reinvested by assigning him a leadership role in managing the new recruits. She directs them to Airbnbs that she has rented under the false premise of honoring the move-out date. Uh, Z takes an AK, or some other kind of automatic rifle, I'm not a gun guy, uh, from one of the Jubilites and declares that she has some content to manage. And this is our first vision of Z, uh, the gun-toting militant Z, that we're going to get familiar with over the course of the next couple chapters. So, two weeks pass um, since Jubilites have started to arrive on the island in boats. Uh, Z now sits at 16 million followers on Instagram. Uh, almost seven weeks have passed since the beginning of the story on 420, uh, which puts the nation in real life in a state of mass civil unrest against the police and their extrajudicial cruelty towards black Americans. Um, this rising movement has been accompanied by its own growing militant Jubilite contingency. Uh, many in the media and the, uh, many in the media and public life can criticize Z and the Jubilites for perverting a just social movement, um, which is an angle that Z personally struggles to disagree with, but can't do anything about it at this point. The cat is out of the bag, and uh, people nationwide are mobilizing under her banner. Now that Nantucket itself uh, has Jubilate uh, numbers numbering in the thousands, uh, Z has established an inner circle that she can connect to called Ring Three. Um, Ring 3 handles operations for her on the island while she self-isolates to combat uh, her worsening COVID and increasingly frequent visions of her parents. Um, we join her on, in the midst of one of these visions, um, which is followed by a revelation uh, in digging through her spam email folder, in which she discovers that 
On the very day the story began, April 20th, her mother passed away from COVID. Z feels no grief at this revelation, her relationship with her parents being what it was. Um, instead, she feels burdened by an implicit familial contract that she now uh, carries. Um, now that she is all that remains of them in life, uh, she feels that it lies with her to carry the torch that they carry throughout their lives. Um, the thought of her father in his final days haunts her. Uh, her memory of him as someone who was falling apart, ravaged by disease, uh, left only to confront the reality of his imminent and inescapable fate. Um, and in his death, he left Z as the only one behind to feel the horror uh, and the anger at the, uh, at the absolute unfairness of his passing. This experience, uh, we get to see some insight on how this experience affected her. Um, Z views has a view of people as a simple machine dictated by algorithms. They're just one day waiting to fall out of harmony and expose, uh, and ex fall out of harmony, to stop working in harmony and leave a person as an uncanny shell of what they once were. Uh, in her sickness, Z wonders if she's like this as well, and if her COVID infection, which she's convinced was transmitted to her by the vengeful ghost of her mother, uh, threatens now to disrupt her algorithms and throw both herself and the entire movement and country that she is attempting to, the, the entire movement that she leads in the country uh, that she's trying to overthrow into hell. Um, she curls up on the floor and begs for the disease to take her life before she can cause any more destruction. Her episode is interrupted by Percy uh, ringing the doorbell to drop off supplies. Um... When she goes to answer the door, Z spots a cop car at the corner behind him and realizes that Percy was followed and that her position is now compromised. In desperation, she moves into the next phase of her plan and orders her inner circle to move in. A massive shootout ensues between the Jubilites and the police. Um, during this conflict, about 40 officers are slain and Percy falls as well. Uh... Z follows uh, the kill order with another order for plainclothes jubilates in the surrounding homes to emerge and fake symptoms of a chemical attack. Uh, cameras and social media capture the scare, and the residents of Nantucket swarm to leave the island, uh, leaving it essentially a jubilate colony, um, populated now only by her fiercest loyalists. In the aftermath, uh, Z goes live to declare an all-out war. Um, she is impressed by her own performance on live. Uh, fueled by adrenaline and COVID-19, and she thinks to herself that if she recovers, Abby would be proud. She turns to Percy's corpse and kisses it, and she takes a photo of him, which she sets as her new lock screen, uh, naming him as the first casualty of war. And that is the end of chapter five. Damn. So this is the turning point in the story. Um, <laughs> chapter four is pretty big, but I think that this is really, like, where the... This is where things take a turn. Um, yeah, absolutely. There, there's a there's a marked difference between chapters six through nine and chapters one through four. Um, I think most of the uh most of what's worth discussing about Cyclonus, I think, comes out at the end. So I'm gonna try to keep it moving. And if there's anything we want to discuss uh, mid chapter between chapters, um, we can pause it and discuss it a little bit. Uh, I'm gonna hop right into the events of chapter six, uh, just to keep things moving along. Okay. So, uh, chapter six. Um, in the aftermath of the chemical scare, uh, all of or the terrified island locals evacuate using the boats that were brought by the Jubilites. Um, and each boat that leaves full of Nantucket uh, 
summer goers uh, comes back full of jubilates. Uh, although removing all the locals from the island is a success, the population of Nantucket increases from 10,000 to 13,000 in the span of a day. Z falls unconscious after a confrontation in the previous chapter, and she is rushed to Abby's mansion in the aftermath for protection. Uh, as the chaos of the day starts to settle, Abby begins to feel the weight of responsibility on her shoulders, and she worries out loud to a sleeping Z um, that she doesn't know how to handle what's going on, and she fears for what might happen if Z were to leave her, or to pass away, even. God forbid. Uh, Abby kisses Z on the forehead and leaves to address her inner circle, um, ring three. Outside, uh, Abby addresses the gathered clowns of ring three. Um, not used to being in such a position. Um, she's not very confident or sure of what duties need to be handled. And she kind of stumbles and apologizes her way through her speech to the clowns. Uh, the others are unimpressed um, with her leadership skills, except for one in particular who steps forward and identifies herself as Joculine. Joculine matter-of-factly states that the Jubilites understand Secretary Applepie's position to be largely ceremonial, and makes a strange comment about it. Um, I'm, I'm still not sure what the deal is with this line, um, or if I'm just reading it with the wrong inflection in my head, but uh, when Jocelyn is talking to Abby, she says, You are, how shall I say, more of an inspirational figure, a hands-off secretary who remains uninvolved with a team of daily operations. That's our role, and we are all beyond thrilled to be playing it. I don't know what the hour and the we are about there. Do you have any ideas on that? Um. Hmm. I'm genuinely asking because I, I'm still not quite can, sure. Can, 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 can you reread it to me again? Sure. Oh, so this is Jocelyn talking to Abby, um, uh, trying to butter her up to get her to delegate power to her. So she yeah. says. Uh, you are, how, sh how shall I say, more of an inspirational figure. A hands-off secretary who remains uninvolved with a team of daily operations. That's our role, and we are all beyond thrilled to be playing it. Um, uh, I think she's saying, you know, daily operations. <laughs> like, that's, that's Ring 3's role. Okay, okay, I was, okay, I was just reading the sentence completely wrong. My mistake, everybody. Okay, okay. You know what, now that you say it like that, I understand. I, I read this line, like, out loud to myself, like, eight times when I was reading the VN, and I couldn't <laughs> figure out what it was supposed to mean. <laughs> Actual NA education. Alright, uh, now that that's out, now that we've gotten that confusion out of the way. Um, so Jacqueline uh, continues to butter up Abby um, in her confusion, and she suggests to her that she employ the age-old tactic of delegation. Um, and graciously offers herself as a candidate to handle affairs in her stead. Uh, Abby, who is overwhelmed and concerned about the well-being of her horse, um, as well as, you know, Z, is relieved at this rather than suspicious, and she gives, and she gives Jacqueline her blessing to handle affairs in her stead as she goes to take care of David. Um, now that she has a moment to not worry about clown affairs for a moment, uh, Abby has uh, time to worry about everything else going on in her life. Um, she feels exhausted uh, maintaining the charade with her parents, and she considers whether lying to them is even worth it at this point. Um, she thinks about what Z said about uh, parents like her is not even worth maintaining a relationship with except a scam. 
Um, she tries to check the news to find a distraction, uh, and is met with no luck, as news outlets everywhere are only interested in talking about her and the Ju- her and Z and the Jubilites. Abby can see that the movement is making serious strides in destroying local police stations and capturing pockets of U.S. territory, but has no idea where things might go from here without Z at the helm. Meanwhile, uh, Z is unconscious, and in her dreams, she is, uh... She is dreaming of, an, of a clownish world once again. Uh, she wanders the reddish-pink mountains of her dreamscape until she comes across a temple to the same clown that she met before, uh, who we now know is Riotous. Uh, the, st- the statue... Um, the, 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 she comes to a temple dedicated to Riotous, and the statue, uh, comes al- and the statue uh, on top comes alive and reaches out to her uh, for another conversation. So Z demands to know what Riotus meant when he told her that she was doing well. Uh, he responds in kind and asks her what she thinks she is doing. The only response that Z knows how to, the only response that Z can offer is that she is fighting for survival, um, which is her line throughout that uh, everything that she's doing is in self-defense, and he compliments her on this. Um, she calls him out on being cagey and weird about uh, what his goals are, and she asks him what his game is. Riotus says that survival is ultimately his goal as well, and he draws a comparison between uh, how Z is fighting for her own self-preservation and his own efforts to dis- to preserve an entire culture and civilization in the Jubilite way. Uh, he frames his goal as the propagation of Jubilite culture, of everything he stands for, uh, and he likens his conquest in the name of Whimsify uh, to the way that culture spreads among nations on Earth. Um, he describes such conquest as natural, and says that it stems as an obvious consequence of the great power a nation like the U.S. holds. And he explicitly calls it out as colonialism. Um, but uh, unlike the history of colonialism that we're familiar with, uh, Riotus identifies his conquest as being explicitly non-invasive, um, as psychic outreach is the only alternative to uh, a psychic, a psychic outreach is the only viable alternative to uh, span the vast impenetrable reaches of space. Um, Z asks him directly if what he's doing in talking to her is part of this conquest that he's talking about. He refuses to answer, um, and only leaves her with the fact, with the reminder that anything that happens on Earth uh, is her responsibility, regardless of what goes on in her own head. Um, and he fades away, and Z wakes up with a bloody nose. So that's our first introduction of the 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 titular psycholonials, the 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 concept of psychic colonialism, and how these ideas spread, and what makes it uh, different from imperialism or colonialism or things that we recognize as universal historical evils. So uh, Z awakes. Um, and the next, uh, thing we get is that two weeks pass, and we zoom back in. So, uh, since the chemical attack, uh, national news has been focused on Nantucket ever since, um, the media devised that it was probably a scheme to get the residents off the island and to capture Nantucket. Um, in the wake of this, uh, Z's brand has grown tremendously and brings her to an impressive 38 million followers. Uh, Z herself has finally beaten COVID as well, and she, uh, we rejoin on her driving to a repurposed country club to address Ring 3 in person, now that her health finally permits. 
Um, she arrives, um, and the members of her inner circle greet her with a salute, which is led front and center by Joculine. Uh, Z demands everyone relax a little bit and asks Abby to recap on what's been going on since she was put out of commission. Uh, Abby once again stumbles when asked to present a speech, uh, at, which, at which point uh, Jacqueline seizes the opportunity to ingratiate herself to Z. Um, Jacqueline launches into a long tangent of just absolutely fucking sucking up to her. Um, she starts laying on the uh, formal title. She calls her uh, your supreme honk effects. She calls her sir etc. Just military, jubilate, uh, any kind of ingratiation possible. Um, Z quickly uh, tries to ask her to chill out and says there's no need to address her by any, uh, any titles or such. Um, and prompts her to explain what's been going on in her absence. Uh, Draculine launches into an explanation of this recent macro-level jubilate operations. Um, the evacuation plan was a success. Uh, since Z was unconscious, the Jubilites have secured all the major facilities in the island, and they've spread the lie that there are thousands of bombs planted all over, ready to send them all sky high in the event of any government interference. Um, however, uh, Navy boats have now formed a uh, blockade around the island, cutting them off from supplies to the mainland. And they've already had some troubles with the power supply that comes from the mainland, threatening to cut them off, um, which Jacqueline has secured the cooperation of using some light threats of violence and bribery with the funds that Abby brought to their disposal. Uh, Jacqueline continues to flatter Abby as well uh, during this whole thing. Um, she names her as the adventure of Pranxis, uh, which Abby and Z are a little bit puzzled. Um, Z asks her to slow down and explain what's been going on with Abby's money. Uh, and Jacqueline explains how she's been using it to essentially... Uh, invest in marketing to later secure more capital down the line. Um, Z is actually pleasantly surprised at this, and she names Jacqueline as uh, the executor of advanced Pranxis for the next uh, for the next stages of the operation. Um, so Abby has kind of been uh, replaced as the implementer of uh, Z's schemes at this point. Um. Jacqueline explains some of the tactics that she plans to use of applying pressure to weak point, points in organizations, um, like money guys and computer nerds who can be bribed to uh, hand over the keys and then uh, embark for a promised uh, new new life. Um, let's see. Yeah. Uh, Z gives Z basically Z basically gives Jacqueline the reins to go forward with whatever message she sees, she sees fit and says that they'll. Meet the next day to talk about plans. Um, later that night, uh, we get another scene between Z and Abby, uh, just chilling out and enjoying another one of their classic wine dinners. Um, Z brings up Jocelyn, and she wonders why she's suddenly so animated after being relatively quiet during her ascent to power when Z was paying attention. Uh, Abby defends her and brings up all that she's done for them when Z was sick. Uh, which Z acknowledges was making her, was certainly Jacqueline making herself useful, uh, but doesn't shake the bad feeling she has about her. Abby defends Jacqueline by relating her own perspective, um, that, you know, maybe Jacqueline is just somebody who is really impressed by Z's ideas, who just wants to impress Z and make her proud of her. Um, Z calls her out on this, uh, joking that Abby is still only hanging around to try to get with her, um, which Abby also laughs off, and it's just that she's only trying to do the right thing by Z. Um, which, uh, Z kind of diffuses the tension of the situation with another line about, um, how she's always joking around when she's stressed out about stuff. So, we come back again to, uh, 
things, everything's just a joke. We'll see. Abby uh, continues to drink, um, which Z declines. Uh, Z declines on the round of wine, um, as she's pretty fucked up on pain meds as it is. Um, and she apologizes to Abby for giving her reasons to keep getting fucked up. Um, which to which Abby says that that's okay, and she understands that Z is going through a big struggle right now, um, and that she just needs to find a way to cope. Uh, Z continues to monologue about her struggle against corporate and state power. Um, she talks more about her perspective of fighting this fight, and how, uh, from where she stands, the only option is to keep fighting. Um, her enemies have now acknowledge her as a threat, and it's now a life-or-death situation, leaving her with no other option but to stay and stick to her guns. Uh, she describes her wiped-out mental state over the past two weeks, um, and how she's had to process what happened when Percy died, and the revelation that her mom died as well. Uh, Abby kind of prods her to talk about it, um, which, to which Z declines to discuss her mom, um, and can only muster, it sucks, in regards to poor, poor Percy. Uh, Abby continues to poke at her, um, saying that, you know, she thought that Z really liked Percy, thought that there was something going on there. Uh, to which Z reacts, uh, pretty poorly. Um, she kind of recoils and claims that she viewed Percy as a soldier the same way that she views all of the Jubilees under her command. And she sees herself as responsible for their lives. And that there are too many people now riding on her success that she, for her to stop now, even if she wanted to. Um, she brings up to Abby her dreams of riotous and the clarity of the recent lore that she's been receiving. Uh, she relates the colonialist impulse uh, to Abby as well. Um, which Abby questions as something that they're familiar with that she recognizes as bad. Um, and, she, and she questions what makes it different from imperialism, uh, if anything. Z can't give an answer, um, and she doesn't know whether it's really good or bad, but she has faith that if she follows it and it can cure the world of injustice, it must be good. Uh, while Abby can only see it as good advertising for the same old bad ideas of colonialism and imperialism. Uh, at this, Z elects to change the topic. Um, back to her gnawing impulse regarding jo Joculine. Uh, Abby tries to get her to get off this train. Um, she says, you know, even if this is somebody you recognize, isn't it the Jubilite way to assume a new identity, uh, unshackled by who you were before? Um, Z is like, yeah, okay, I guess. Um, and Abby starts, Abby takes their drinks, or takes the glasses and starts cleaning up and goes inside. Um, and as Abby leaves, uh, Z realizes where she's seen Jacqueline before. Um, she realizes she recognizes her tattoo from when she saw her at the meeting earlier, and she opens her list of antis to check, and there it is. Jacqueline is Candice Schmandis, Z's very first anti. Oh the my rev god! <laughs> and Z is fucking pissed to learn this. And that's where chapter six, uh, that, that's the end of chapter six. Uh... I like this chapter. Um, I think this is uh, like where you really start to see. This is really where the, the tension between Z and Abby starts to ramp up. Um, yeah. And uh, the the identification of Jocelyn as somebody who she has beef with from years and years ago, 
is another turning point, I think, in Z's character. Uh, and we'll see where that takes her and, and her obsession with her antis. Um, moving on to chapter seven. Um, so one month passes from the end of chapter six. Z's follower count has now climbed into the ranks of early 2010s pop stars in a mere three months. Um, Z thinks to herself that though they might be clout peers on Instagram, Katy Perry has probably never killed a cop in cold blood. So that's an advantage she has over her clout peers. Uh, domestic island operations have more or less stabilized by this point, while the United States and many parts of the world uh, have likewise started to crumble. Uh, many regions of the USA at this point are now established as jubilate counties, um, where the local police have been basically completely usurped and the jubilates and jubilate forces now control the area. Uh, the jubilates and the government have reached a shaky ceasefire agreement um, where jubilate territory has ceased expansion in exchange for uh, allowing trade with the mainland um, for Nantucket and uh, acknowledgement as a sovereign nation of New Whimsify. Uh, meanwhile, uh, elsewhere in the world, um, a lot the Jubilate movement is really starting to pick up traction. Uh, so a lot of celebrities are now publicly identifying with the movement, um, including none other than Dear Sweet Post Malone and uh, BTS. Uh, Abby is actually at this point in correspondence with Namjoon. Uh, who I suppose is the leader of BTS, and the, the those good old boys have already seized the means of production in their own entertainment studio and are trying to use it to affect positive social change in South Korea by nonviolent means. Uh, Z is skeptical at whether nonviolence can truly work, uh, but she's curious to see where it goes. Uh, elsewhere in the world, uh, many movements have popped up. Um, some of them flying Z's same flag, and some of them flying their own their own. Uh, for their own cause or their own uh, spin on it. Uh, since a month has passed, uh, the time has come for another debriefing of Ring 3. Um, it's been a month since Joculine was handed the reins of advanced praxis, and uh, Z is curious as to where she's taken it and what she has to say for herself. So uh, she arrives at the country club um, to, and is greeted by Joculine. Uh, who, of course, opens with some fresh ass kissing. Uh, at which Z insists that she, at this time she addressed her by her proper title of Supreme Honk Effects. Uh, Z refuses to go inside with her, um, instead ordering her to follow her around as she strolls the grounds of the country club to get some fresh air. Uh, at which the vice clown obeys, and she gives out her uh, the groundwork of advanced pranksis according to its core tenets, uh, both for the benefit, mostly for the benefit of the reader. Um, so Jacqueline sums up advanced Pranksis as being the natural continuation of Pranksis as it was implemented with uh, Abby's parents, for instance. Um, but uh, what differentiates it is the philosophy that, noth that uh, nothing that our enemies can do should be off the table. Uh, should we refuse to stoop their level on anything, uh, we're merely seeing them an unfair advantage, and that would be a strategical mistake. So, um, where previously, uh, the bit, something like the Bitcoin scam was a lot of fun and it was profitable, uh, Jacqueline has found much greater success in, uh, applying tactical pressure to, uh, employees of Abby's parents' bank to secure their funds. 
Um, and in cases where uh, paying off money guys and making uh, under-the-table deals doesn't work, uh, she suggests that even, even going as far as uh, getting one's hands dirty and... Um, she says getting one's hands dirty and she makes a uh, throat-slitting gesture in reference to Abby's parents. Uh, Z is pretty taken aback by this, and she tells Jacqueline that it is not her place to make that decision. Um, Jacqueline uh, worms her way right back down uh, from any dangerous stance, and she says, "I'm sorry. That was, that was you know that was just an example of something that could happen theoretically." Uh, Z orders her to get along to the new shit instead of just telling her what she's already explained to her. Instead of just explaining back her own material to her, uh, so Jacqueline describes what the organization has gained under her uh, oversight. Um, the Jubilates now control about $200 billion in direct assets uh, and have indirect control of about $1.5 trillion in soft assets, quote-unquote. Um, she brags about uh, the liquidity of a lot of those assets and how easily they could get to them, um, and she boasts also at some of the extreme centers of wealth that she's captured, like Martha's Vineyard. Um, the ex the ultra wealthy island neighborhood nearby. Uh, Z asks where her agents have been implanted to see such successes, and Jacqueline explains that Jubilites are there are now Jubilite sleeper agents and contacts in basically every major hinge point of the American economy. So banks, investment firms, um, Amazon, Exxon, Facebook, all are under Jubilate control now, effectively. Um. She compliments Abby on her manipulation of the of the K-pop boys, uh, but she decries it for, uh, and she insists that operations like that in the future should be directly connected to our to theirs, so that they can directly extract profit from it. Z doesn't quite see things the same way, and she says that Abby would never let them use BTS's movement for their own gain. Um, Jacqueline sees this as an opening and begins to try to undermine Abby uh, to make the case of why she should be second in charge and how much more capable she is of extracting wealth from uh, sources than Abby is. Uh, Z comments on this, she thinks to herself, um, and she laughs at it. She remarks that, you know, Jacqueline probably would make a great number two uh, by, the, by that logic. Um, but unfortunately, it's a shame. And we get the legendary, uh, heavily featured in the trailer, uh, featured in many of our speculation and wildest dreams about what this game could have possibly been, the prolonged Revolver Ocelot gun twirling cutscene. Let's go! <laughs> this is... <laughs> this is it peak goes... is what it is. It's peak. <laughs> yes, yes. It goes on for so long. It's crazy. I was really struck by how long every cutscene in this thing goes on for. <laughs> uh, we spend a really... I didn't count, I didn't time it, but I would probably bet that it's in, like, the two-minute range of uh, Z twirling her pistols around, tossing them, uh, you know, tossing them back and forth um, before she finally just locks it in and shoots Jacqueline right between the eyes. And then there are a couple more twirls for good measure before Jacqueline even can hit the ground and bounce and slide across the fucking uh, tennis court. Gee, I wonder if Hussey played Metal Gear Solid before making <laughs> Cyclonials. <laughs> I wonder. You know, is there any confirmation that Hussey is actually a Metal Gear fan? Because I feel like this could be another instance where, like, 
he knew the aesthetics of it and he just pretended. Um, or like he just brought it in. Like there... like how um like how uh uh Bro Strider wears the common glasses. There there was a period in like I think it was twenty twenty when Aisha uh was talking about going through the Metal Gear series, and there seemed to be an implication that like other people were going through it too. So I wouldn't be surprised if Hussey was involved in that. That's that's fair. Um, I see there's still being a distinct possibility that he had everybody around him play it instead. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, the, the first... The first Psycholonials trailer had, had a scene in it... Well, it had multiple scenes in it that weren't even in, in the game. Uh... Where Hussey's clown Sona drives a helicopter to a to an oil rig in the middle of the ocean, and Kojima is there. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole arc in the trailers we never see where Z establishes Outer Heaven that uh, never really comes to fruition in game. <laughs> hmm. I wonder if there's any inspiration involved. Uh. Anyway, so. Yeah, uh, Z fucking kills Jocelyn. Uh, just ends her whole shit right there. Um, and, uh, to the other clowns, she declares that traitors get the bullet. And that is that. Uh, later that night, uh, Z and Abby are hanging out in the house. Um, Z presses Abby if she heard about what happened earlier. Um, but Abby is preoccupied with her chat with Namjoon. Uh, <laughs> it's a really funny sentence. It's true. It's literally what it's literally what is happening. It's it's literally what is happening. Um, to to compound to some of the great phrases we're getting, uh, Z uh, in reference to the nonviolent ways of BTS uh, of of the BTS social movement, uh, refers to them as having too much cuck energy, quote unquote, to really make a difference. Um, at which Abby just objects that she's just happy to see them grow as artists. Uh, and she asks if she's made any inroads in any of her, uh, fan base, like, like that, such as the newly converted Post Malone, who apparently has gotten some, uh, clown face tattoos now, so he must be pretty serious about it. Uh, Z waves this away as embarrassing and irresponsible, uh, and just wants to talk about how she killed somebody today. Um... Abby insists that she doesn't want to talk about what happened to Jocelyn, and that all this violence is really getting hard for her to deal with, and she finds it uh, triggering for her. Um, she says she has to put in a lot of work to cope with the what's going on around her these days. Uh, Z says that she never wanted to push the violence in Abby's face, um, and in fact that she kept from the, that she kept uh, her revelation of who Jocelyn was from her until now. Uh, to try to protect her. Um, she further speculates about Jacqueline's motivations, um, accusing her of just being clout hungry, um, of somebody who never really, never really was never truly her enemy, but just somebody who was trying to use her as a vehicle for more personal gain, uh, who was probably going to try to use her even herself, uh, if given the chance. Um, she resolves to tighten her inner circle, uh, trust no one, um, 
And Abby asks that she be allowed to distract herself a bit in the face of all this nightmarishness. Uh, to which Z finally gives up and acquiesces. Uh, Abby continues drinking the ever-dwindling supply of now a mere triple-digit priced wine uh, while Z hits her weed vape. Um, Abby makes a comment on Z picking up a weed habit recently, uh, since in the, in the past month it has apparently been imported and even started being farmed locally on the island. So, I, got, I, know, I know it smelled crazy in there. <laughs> <laughs> the... The, 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 the mental image of, like, what an island populated exclusively by stoned juggalos would smell like just washed over me. I gotta, okay. I, I gotta take a second. I gotta take a second. He's thinking too much, guys. He's, he's put too much thought into it. Is this just what Hussy thinks about? Is this, like, just what occupies Hussy's mind at all times? This is just the inspiration for everything that man has ever written. <laughs> Um, the, so, so in, in a wake of Jacqueline's murder, uh, the subject of conversation turns to Z's hater list. Uh, Abby says that she'd hoped that by this point Z would have gotten over it and moved on. Um, but Z is eager to defend it and she points out that it still has strategic value. Uh, since a lot of the people who are ending up as her antis nowadays are legitimately powerful people worldwide who it would serve them well to keep tabs on. Abby still sees the damage that it's doing to Z psychologically and how it's only worsening her paranoia, and she tells her that she's just concerned that to see her back on the downward spiral that got them there in the first place. Z insists that uh, things are clear to her and that she knows what she's doing, um, and Abby compares the practice of what she's doing, of keeping lists. Uh, she describes it as dictatorial. Uh, she says, isn't that a thing that you know, history's greatest monsters have employed um, in their rise to power. Uh, Z dismisses this as melodramatic, um, which causes Abby to back off, but she does bring up that she's been considering quitting, effectively uh, quitting the Jubilites by shutting down her online presence. Um, she says that it is just something that she's considering for her own mental health, uh, but the significance of her formally stepping down is lost on neither of them. Uh, at this, uh, Z excuses herself to use the bathroom, um, so Abby can continue to talk with Namjoon. Uh, Z stares at herself in the mirror, and she processes the pain of being casually compared to Joseph Stalin by her best friend. Uh, she grits her teeth, and she resolves that she'll be different from those who came before her. Uh, she'll be the one to get things right. Um, and she catches a brief vision of her mother's ghost uh, behind her in the mirror before she turns away uh, and sees she's gone. Um, Z checks her phone, uh, which is blowing up, which is almost never a good sign. Uh, this time, the story is the revelation that Abby's parents' mansion has been blown up, uh, almost certainly killing them in the process. Z immediately concludes that this must have been Jacqueline's orders, this must have been what she was talking about earlier in the day, and she blames herself for not being able to stop it or think that those might be actual operations that were t taking place. Um, and she is gripped with terror at the prospect of facing Abby with this new information. Uh, outside, um, she finds Abby in tears. Um, she tries to explain herself that it was Jacqueline who gave the order, that it's her fault for not stopping it. Um, but 
Abby isn't hearing it. Uh, she blames herself for allowing things to go this far. And no matter what Z tries to offer in the vein, in the words of, you know, your parents sucked, it wasn't worth it, uh, no matter, like, parents like that are not worth having a constructive relationship with, um, Abby can't process this. And she says, you know, Z, I think that what you said to me was really fucked up, but I can't even be mad right now. Uh, and she says, I think it's time that I step down. And she says that uh, even uh, her love for Z can only push her so far. Uh, the knife of psychic damage in Z's brain stabs even deeper. And she takes herself, she excuses herself again to hide in the stable with her own feelings. Uh, she's first filled with anger, ejaculating for what she's done. And then just as quickly with sorrow uh, for what Abby said to her and the fear of further damage that she could do to the one she loves. Uh, and she curls up exhausted and passes out on the stable floor next to David Hasselhoof. Uh, in her sleep, uh, Z has another vision. Um, awakening among plants and stars greeted by Riotus again, who this time is carrying a sword. Uh, she demands answers and advice once again. Um, she has to know if Riotus is real or not, or just a product of her ailing mental health. Uh, Riotus points out that he cannot give her an answer to this. Um, as no matter what, uh, he is incentivized to lie, uh, and it's, he, she may as well assume that what he's saying is true and work it out when she wakes up. So, uh, Z goes along with this, assuming he's real, and she asks again whether the conquest that he described, the, the psycolonial conquest that he described last time is indeed what he's trying to do with her in their conversations. Um... And he continues to be evasive in a way that I is com almost comparable to like the way that people talk nowadays when they're trying to get around terms of service. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. He well, he uh, says that she could should consider um some things. Um. First and foremost, that he might even he might not even be the first Jubilee, like he said. Um. He relates an experience uh, very similar to hers from when he was younger. Um, he himself does not hail from a world called Whimsify, um, but he too had a correspondence with an alien being who described, who identified herself as the first Jubilee. Um, this person told him everything that he is now shared with Z, including the truth about not being the first of her kind. Uh, she promised him uh, glory and immortality. Uh, only at the price of achieving absolute victory over his enemies. Um, Z asks Riotus if this is what he is now offering to her through his weird, fucked-up verbal game. Um, to which he says that uh, he can only ask her to consider these things, and he compliments her on her, on her skill at said verbal game. Uh, he continues his story. Um, he describes his own motivation to achieve absolute victory as a desire to be part of a line of important figures before him, of first Jubilites. But he understands that this might not be what motivates Z. Um, the reason the conversation remains purposely vague and hypothetical is that whatever he can explicitly offer her, none of it is going to be as effective a motivator as whatever internally motivates her. Um, her own convictions of that what she's doing is right. Uh... Z bemoans that what she's been doing has not been easy. It's been really hard, and she's been very concerned about hurting the people that she loves. Um, 
and Rydus advises her that it is hard, uh, but that he was aided by his motivation and his predecessor's words that uh, allowed him to reach within himself and achieve new levels of brutality to crush his opponents. Uh, Z recoils in fear from this idea, knowing that this is exactly what Abby was afraid of happening to her. Uh, he sympathizes with her, uh, but he dismisses her concerns about Abby as merely mortal and ultimately insignificant in the face of what she's working towards. Um, he compliments her on how good she is at the whole thing, uh, telling her that she has risen to pow to levels of power uh, that it uh, put his time to shame uh, during his conquest. Um, she asks him if the whole point of this was just to come into her dreams and butter her up and tell her that she's doing such a good job, and he basically confirms it, um, but urges her not to be overconfident and to be ready for what she's going to have to do to, in the, to complete her mission. Uh, she still worries about Abby urging her to delete the lists. Um, but to this, Rydus tells her that many people will try to oppose her, and ultimately they will all try to kill her. Uh, he encourages the list-writing behavior, and tells her to remember what all those people did to her to deserve their fate. Um, and that by writing them down in the first place, uh, it was inevitable that she would eventually, uh, that they would eventually be killed by her. Um, at this, uh, Z wakes once again with a bloody nose, um, and sees that in her sleep somehow she has sent out the list of antis to the Ring 3 chat. Um, in a fit of rage, uh, she rationalizes to herself that this was inevitable, that what Rydus was telling her was true. And that some things just have to be done uh, for her fight, uh, in spite of the people that love her. Um, and that really, like he was saying, her enemies brought them upon them, brought this upon themselves. And uh, chapter seven ends with her giving the order to kill. God damn! Yeah, Jesus! That's crazy. I I'm I'm beginning to think that uh that there's some connection between uh, Riotus and her subconscious and all of her worst impulses that come from the computer. <laughs> Maybe. Could be. Could be. Never know. You know, endless well of satanic potential and all that. Anyway. Um, on to, to, chap to chapter 8. Um, any, any, any comments on 7 before we go on to 8? Um, it's fucked up. Yeah, the dream sequences are getting pretty heavy. Uh, but <laughs> we got we got shit still to happen. All right, chapter eight. Uh, this is the chapter. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go for it. Um, chapter eight begins with the fourth interlude to the story. Uh, the mysterious white text narrative voice, uh, once again compliments Z on her swift action in moving against her list of antis, um, and agrees that, uh, their murder is just a natural consequence of having annoying opinions online. Um, I, the, <laughs> the, the dialogue here, uh, with the narrative, with the mysterious voice, uh, is, it's, it's something. The, um... It says, like, specifically, I didn't write down the specific quote, but it says, like, uh, 
Isn't that just what happens when you have annoying takes online? There are consequences to these things, you know? Uh, and you can't really have annoying opinions online when you're dead. And it's like, just Jesus Christ, calm down. It's kind of true. <laughs> true! <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> the internal monologue, um, as uh, as the events uh, in the real world of the comic escalate, um, and the fire spreads across the whole world, uh, it, it's, it's interesting how Z's um, internal monologue and her thoughts just kind of have become even, have just kind of turned inward even more intensely. Um, and she's now focused, like focused on her anti list even, which is she's had since she was canceled years ago as a teenager. Um, so yeah, it's it's something that this, this work may or may not have themes. I'm not sure. Uh, the voice again uh, offers Z another false choice. Uh, again, it's to either back down or double down, and like before, uh, Z chooses to double down, or the voice for her makes a decision to double down, and that's how she follows. Another month later, uh, Z has rocketed to a staggering three hundred and thirty-eight million Insta followers. That's a lot of clout. Uh, she recounts to herself all the celebrities that she's eclipsed during her meteoric rise, um, including household names like Ariana Grande, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and even uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, who was her ultimate goal in surpassing and follower count. Geopolitically speaking, uh, the U.S. at this point is entrapped in Cold Civil War, while other major world powers struggle to suppress the growing Jubilate movement. Um... The most prominent example is Russia, which has completely fallen by this point. Um, the Jubilites seizing control of the Kremlin and effectively uh, now making themselves a nuclear power. Uh, Z sees America as a unique nut to crack, though, and knows that they won't fall as easily as Russia does. And to this end, uh, she has to be prepared for all-out war as a conclusion. Um, in preparing for this eventuality... Uh, New Whimsify, formerly known as Nantucket, has become fully militarized, uh, now uh, decorated with nearly a trillion dollars in hard assets, uh, most of which is expensive military gear. Um, Z contemplates on her relationships with, uh, military, con with military contractors throughout the world. Uh, ever since executives began to smell real money behind her operation, and Russia's collapse proved that they were a real force uh, on the world stage. Uh, obtaining expensive weaponry of vehicles has become phenomenally easy. Uh, her financiers remind her of Abby's dad and how he defected to the Biden camp once his own bottom line was threatened as a Trump donor. Uh, she revels to herself in this power, and she thinks about uh, the executives of these military contracting outfits as just a new echelon of useful simp that she can employ. Um, no different from somebody like Percy. Uh, so, Z and her second-in-command, uh, in the events of this chapter, um, Z and her new second-in-command, uh, our fan-favorite, uh, clown Mizzlebip, um, land their helicopter in Abby's backyard. Uh, Abby's house is a far cry from what it was in previous chapters. Um, it is now uh, surrounded by missile silos and uh, guarded by AK-wielding clown guards. 
Um, Z has, in the meantime, tightened security in her inner circle even further, uh, and continued to add names to her shit list in Paranoia ever since giving the original kill order for it. Meanwhile, uh, BTS has managed to peacefully take the reins of power in South Korea while Abby is still in contact with Namjoon. She remains in her house, um, left without any Jubilate duties to uh, attend to. Uh, she spends her days distracting herself with the BTS, with, with talking to Namjoon, and smoking a lot of weed, and drinking a lot of, a lot of wine. Uh, as she enters the house, Z notes that it looks a lot more like her depression nest from the beginning of the story than the uh, extravagant summer home that she came home that she came to um, three months ago. Uh, she commands Abby to turn her loud music down so that she can have a strategic planning meeting with Mizzlebip. Uh, Abby slumps off the couch, and she complains that she really doesn't have anything to do anymore. Um, social media is no longer a viable option for her as a pastime, uh, and the island is now jam-packed with COVID-carrying fanatical clowns uh, who don't really make for good social company. Uh, Z takes the comment on uh new whimsifies covid problem and she excuses it as being really no different from the rest of anywhere in america um she suggests uh south korea is a possible haven for abby um who is reluctant to the idea and still sees it as ridiculous that she even had bts here in the first place and she wouldn't feel comfortable asking them for political asylum uh z jokes about escaping to fiji which was her original planned getaway destination uh all those years ago um, but Abby says that no matter what, she's too scared to get on a plane anywhere anyway, and the fears that it might be shot down. Uh, Z says, that's okay, I didn't want you leaving anyway, I don't know what I would do if you weren't around. So, in light of this, Abby resigns herself to sitting back and smoking the rest of the weed while Z makes plans. Um, at which Z is like, hey, well, why don't you bring yourself in and you can be part of this again? Uh, Abby calls her out for this pattern of what essentially amounts to emotional abuse, where uh, Z, Z enlists Abby in the plan, um, invites her to play her conscience, and ultimately ends up making her indirectly responsible for something like putting out hits on the entire anti-list, or killing Joculine. Uh, at this, Z tries to minim she tries to do damage control and minimize what she's actually doing uh, with the hit list and with her recent orders um, before she concedes that she is, in fact, putting out new hits every day. But, you know, these ones are only directed to people who really deserve it, like people like Jeff Bezos, who are like true capitalist ghouls who have it coming. Uh, Abby points out that even this crusade is futile um, and that when Jeff Bezos was killed, uh, Amazon stock price went up. Um, the the individual Jeff Bezos meant nothing. His murder in the grand scheme of things didn't accomplish anything, and all it did was prove that the machines will still run, even if uh, we killed people in charge um, without making any systemic change. Uh, this causes Z to kind of go on the defensive, um, and she argues that you know even if it didn't, even if it didn't make the lives of the Amazon workers better, it was a just thing to do, and it means that her con that her uh, conquest is vindicated. Um, but Abby again goes back to the Amazon workers and asks how Z intends to actually change anything. Uh, Z reacts really, poly really 
poorly to this and blows up at Abby. Um, and she accuses her of being sympathetic to her enemies ideologically. She calls her a shit lib. Uh, it's a, a favorite online insult. Um, Abby yells back in her frustration that uh, asking how much more loyalty she has to demonstrate, how many more police murders, uh, and how much more shit she has to cover up, and what she has to do to demonstrate to Z that she's not uh, a traitor and that she's honestly scared of what's going on. Um, at this, Z tries to mollify her by letting her in on her, her super serious plans that will confirm to Abby that, that Z knows what she's doing. And the plan that she uses to illustrate this is her strategy to annex Martha's Vineyard. The entire operation is such a has such a ridiculous premise that it sends Abby just completely in hysterics. Um, she breaks down laughing at Z's conviction to seize Martha's fucking vineyard amidst the, the, the absolute chaos that the world's been thrown into and the disease that's ravaging the island. Um, and she asks Z if she's ever thought about anything on the way to their present circumstance. Uh, this challenge to her ego uh, sets Z off on another tirade where she proclaims herself as the conqueror of Russia, the supreme honk effects who brought the world to its knees, and the successor to Riotus and the Lord Queen of the Jubilees. And she storms around the room and rips down all the maps on the walls and says, you know what, fuck it, uh, I don't need a plan. If I want Martha's Vineyard, I'll just fucking snap my fingers and take it. Plans be damned. And... After Z, after Z cools off, uh, the two just kind of sit, stand there in silence uh, in the wake of her tantrum. Abby apologizes just for not saying anything sooner, and she confesses that she didn't speak up before um, when any of the other previously shady shit started to go down, uh, just because she just wanted Z to like her. And this heartfelt moment is cut off by an explosion in the distance and the power cutting. Uh, one of the missile silos outside explodes, uh, a rocket blows up a wing of the mansion, and in seconds, the house is surrounded by hostile, uh, clown stage gun mutiny. Um, Z arms herself to the teeth, uh, before going outside and confronting the insurrection in a, in another, uh, prolonged shootout cutscene, in which many clowns die. Um, David Hasselhoof is slain, uh, it's just a bad time. Damn. This was another scene where I was like, wow, the the cutscenes in this game go on for a really long time. Um I, I like remember it. Yeah, I, I remember last time when we were first talking about Cyclonus when it was coming out, like I think even back then we were impressed. It like I, I definitely remember being impressed by just how long this shit went on. Yeah. Um It really rubs it in. It's uh it's horrible. Uh, there's just prolonged, prolonged, uh, prolonged gunfight. Um, Z shoots a lot of clowns in the head. Uh, there's a part where Mizzlebub comes in in an attack helicopter and shoots a bunch of missiles. Uh, Andrew Hussey dies in this cutscene. He takes a lot of bullets, uh, for David Hasselhoof in vain. Um, it's tragic, really. And the aftermath, the, the property is just littered with corpses. Um, and this is too much for Abby. Uh, she finally snaps, um, 
she tells Z that she's lost too much now uh, between her parents, uh, her poor, innocent horse, and uh, Z, who she's not sure is the same person that she used to know anymore. Uh, and she pushes Z away, and she leaves to find an escape. This is, uh, this is, this is a lot for Z as well. Um, and she collapses and cries into the, into poor David Hasselhoff's, poor David Hasselhoff's neck at her own failure. Um, she rises again and motivates herself to action when she considers which of her enemies might be responsible, uh, for this action. Uh, push, propelled by the thought of finding the rat and enacting justice. Uh, Mizzlebit comes up. And offers her a CIA identity card that she apparently found on one of the corpses. And this is enough to get Z back into action. So, that night, uh, Z organizes a rally at the island's high school football field, where she addresses her followers directly. Um, she uh, touches down in a nearby graveyard in her helicopter, and she walks over to the bleachers, which she ascends and delivers a rousing speech uh, denouncing the evils of the United States. Um, she decries the U.S. for treating her and her followers like cowards, uh, assuming they'll just give up once the power is cut. Uh, and she demands they pay for their hypocrisy and their injustice. Um, she invokes uh, Plymouth Rock as a metaphor uh, for a bullet that landed in this country years and years ago and started a seeping poisonous infection that would spread up and down the continent. Uh, and create the rot that would become the United States of America. Um, she she uh, calls it a symbol of the insignificance of the smallness of the moral basis for the United States, and she calls it uh, a tiny shriveled Grinch heart. Um, and as contrast, she offers the the island of New Wims the island of New Wimsify as an alternative, um, which is as a deeply rooted and powerfully righteous and much larger rock with which she can start her movement to destroy the United States government. Uh, she leaves off on this declaration of war uh, and entrusts her followers to carry out her will. Um, and she leaves with a mic drop uh, before departing back to the graveyard. Uh, it's a really intense sequence, I should mention. Um, yeah. I can't really capture the imagery of it, and I didn't, I didn't want to just write down her whole speech. Um, but I think that, uh, a really powerful part of Psycolonials in general is even though Z is, like, very clearly a very misguided character, um, and isn't always motivated by what she would like to be, uh, there's a really powerful undercurrent of genuine animosity and criticism of what the United States is and what it stands for. And as a, as a young leftist myself, I'm really on board with a lot of a lot of what it says. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think that a lot of what makes it so powerful is just that there's a, a real genuineness to it that we'll talk about when we get to the end. Um, but yeah, and uh, even moments like this uh, that are both that are that illustrate like how far gone Z is in her own little world um it's still a good it's still a powerful reminder that like there is a hint of righteousness and there is something that she can tell herself that she's fighting for that is correct 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Z departs the side of the speech, um, and her spirits quickly fall as she walks through the graveyard back to her helicopter. Um, she is overwhelmed by the silence around her, and it reminds her of the, the quiet hum of the brimming well of satanic potential that is the internet that she contemplated all those months ago on the very first night after she killed that cop and waited for the Uber. Uh, she is seized by a fit of paranoia, um, looking up at the sky, uh, seeing the military planes overhead, and uh, she is set off by the vision of a B-2 bomber crossing across, crossing the moon um, as she looks at it. Uh, Abby approaches from out of the shadows and calls out to her, uh, and the chapter ends with Z falling to her knees and breaking into tears, wondering what the hell she just did. Man, this one's really good. Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. <sighs> a lot going I'm, I'm, on, a lot to take in. <laughs> I'm gonna just uh, I'm, I'm gonna just do chapter nine, and then we can talk about all of this all of this shit. Okay. Means. Okay. Okay. So chapter nine. Um. Z cries that she's fucked everything up now and that Abby should just leave and save herself while she still can. Uh, Abby refuses, um, saying she's here to to save Z. Um, it's all that she can do anymore. Uh, she just sort of give up and just to come with her. Uh, they give Mizzlebip the reins of power on their way out. Uh, Z sends her off with a salute. Um, and as Abby and Z uh, leave to catch their plane out of there, uh, we see Mizzlebiff, uh, we see Mizzlebiff's face twist from the usual pleading emoji expression into the smiling imp emoji expression, uh, now given the reins of power for herself. So, Z and Abby make their, make their escape. Um, on the way out of the island, they observe the chaos that surrounds them, uh, lots of houses are on fire, there are planes overhead, uh, it, shit looks bad, um, but the two of them make it to their plane, and they escape the island. Uh, and they fly they, they fly first to South Korea and then to Fiji, uh, Z's original escape destination. Um, Z sleeps through most of the flight to Fiji, uh, and on the way there, she has a vision, another vision of her parents. Um, this time, uh, they're in the clouds, they appear peaceful, there's no scary music, there's no bleeding from the eyes, it's a lot more positive experience. Uh, when they land at Fiji, um, Z is struck by the beauty of the island around her and how it's unscarred by any of the conflict that's defined her life for the past couple months. Um, the two of them rent a car and they drive across the island, um, and Z thinks about how awful she feels about putting Abby in the position that she did and how long Abby must have been planning out this escape route. Uh, and they end up on a beach uh, to have one more long prolonged conversation uh so z checks her phone and she tries to make sense of the geopolitical situation uh and she pulls up a blotchy live map of jubilate versus united state territory uh hosted on cnn uh the nation formerly known as russia is now sending reinforcements to the u.s which reminds her of when she started first importing recruits to nantucket um the island itself was never bombed and she speculates that it might represent a holy site which the U.S. would fear to desecrate lest it incur more radicalism. Uh, or maybe the whole thing was just a false flag staged by Mizzlebib. 
um, who apparently herself is already dead in the queue by another clown trying to usurp the title of Supreme Honk FX. Uh, she considers that the CIA badge that Mizzlebit presented her was almost certainly fake, which is confirmed by her Googling uh, CIA agent stock photo and finding the photo of the guy on it. Uh, <laughs> and she curses herself for being so easily fooled. Uh, Abby reassures her that they fled to escape this sort of thing. Um, and Z acknowledges this, but she says it still hurts to see something that she built fall apart like that. Uh, Z encourages her to pull back and let her just self just enjoy the distance now that she has from the whole mess. Um, but Z can't bring herself to look away from everything that she's complicit in and out of the hope that something good might come out of what she's done. Um, maybe even the destruction of capitalism, who knows? Uh, now that she has a moment to think about it and talk about it and be open, um, Z finally starts to consider why she did it all to begin with. Um, if it wasn't all about making the world a better place. Uh, she know, she recognizes that most of the time she wasn't acting out of the goodness of her heart, and that she thinks that this was really the only way that she had to express herself and let out her anger at a world that she saw as having wronged her. Um, and in retrospect, it feels her like it was about everything possible except for doing the right thing. Uh, Abby agrees and acknowledges that even so, it was still fun for a while. Um, even if it might have had drastic consequences for the course of the entirety of human existence. Uh, even acknowledging this, uh, Z still believes that they were right to start the movement, um, and she wonders if this is just the trajectory of how leftist movements go throughout history. Uh, she recognizes that even she herself was part of making it uh, about ego, um, and that at some point she became incapable of distinguishing when she was fighting for a cause and when she was fighting for her own interests. Um, and Abby gives a pretty good summary in response. Uh, even though these things are good, uh, people are just nuts, and will jump into it for all the wrong reasons. Um, but she's still optimistic about it, and she hopes that things will end up for the better, uh, thanks to Z after the world stabilizes. Uh, Z wonders about Riotus, um, and whether any of that was real, and if so, uh, whether she is now complicit in some kind of fucked up alien imperialism. Uh, Abby points out that there's not really any point in worrying about it because they'll never know either way. Um, and Z counters with that even if, uh, even disregarding all that, um, aren't they still now uh, in fleeing to Fiji, basically doing colonialism and trying to flee their situation? Uh, and she wonders if the colonists of old who founded this country uh, were themselves trying to flee something and to create something better. Um, when they laid the groundwork for what would turn into the USA. Um, and she relates this, uh, and she uh, relates the creation of the US and what it would become uh, from this dream, in from the perspective of her parents. And there's a really powerful, uh, there's a really powerful passage in here that I did copy down, because uh, I really liked it, um, on how she has come to see her parents after her experiences. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take a drink of water and try not to break down while reading it, because it's really, really good. So, uh, Z describes how she sees America again, but, uh, from her parents' perspective, and how that's informed, and how, and, well, let me, okay, third time's the term. Leon is crying at me, and it's distracting me. <laughs> 
Uh, Z describes how she sees the U.S. now from the perspective of her parents. And I'm just going to quote it. You run away to a new country to find a better life and just become a complicit in the evil of its original settlement. Yet you also become a victim of its false promises. You got lured by its bait, and then it runs you into the fucking ground with all the other bodies that were sacrificed to serve this lie. My parents were another, were another couple of sacrifices. They took the bait, and the nation utterly destroyed them. If any country in the history of the world deserved to get fucked up this badly, it was ours. And she relates this to her dream on the plane, and how uh, when she saw her parents in her dream, uh, they were proud of her for once. Um, but not for fulfilling their dreams in life, or carrying on the torch, or anything that she felt burdened by before, but for exacting revenge on the country that killed them. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a it lot. Is. It is. It's heavy. Um. Yeah. I. I. I really like that. Um. I, it's the. I think there's something really, really powerful about a uh, Z's arc with her parents and the real and like her coming to terms with it. Yeah. Um. I'll. This is still not done either. Um, but uh, Abby says that she's also proud of her, uh, addressing her directly now by, by, by Z. And at this point, uh, Z says that she thinks she's actually ready to start being to start going by Jen again. Um, she's no longer ashamed of her given name, uh, and she's ready to move past all the baggage that she fucking piled up during the past couple months under the name Z. Um, and she now sees the name Jen uh, not as a mark of embarrassment, given by her parents to make life hard for her in a country that didn't respect it, but it's something that she should be proud of, uh, and that she doesn't have to be ashamed of now that she doesn't respect um, the country that made her feel ashamed to have it in the first place. Uh, and she proclaims that she doesn't hate her parents anymore, and Abby looks at her and smiles. And it's wonderful. The conversation, their conversation is again interrupted by another revelation from Z, from Jen's phone that the newest Supreme Honka Fanks is also dead. Abby suggests that this is probably her cue to stop looking at it, and that it isn't worth second-guessing how things would have gone differently uh, if she had just stayed behind and led. Um, Jen is frustrated by Abby's bottomless patience and how she keeps nailing, just keeps hammering on these same points. And she asks why Abby is dedicating so much energy to trying to save her from herself. Um, and at this, uh, Abby tears up and she takes her hand away and she only can say, uh, you know why. Jen feels pretty bad about this. Um, she realizes that she's been putting Abby through a whole lot of bullshit. Um, and not get, being open with her in the face of her own, uh, just trying to bury herself in her own bullshit. Uh, she finally apologizes to her uh, for all the time she spent ignoring her feelings and taking her for granted. Um, and she promises that she, uh, once she can work through everything uh, and put this all in the past behind her, uh, that they can have an honest and open conversation about um, their relationship and what they mean to each other. And uh, Abby accept it, accepts this and says, you know, she'll always, she'll always be there uh, once Jen works through it. Um, and that they already ran away together, so Fuck it, you know? Uh, Jen turns back to her phone to contemplate all the bullshit that's still going on in the world. Um, the power struggle for the Supreme Honk effects as it continues, and CNN's blotchy nightmare live map of U.S. territory. 
Uh, it all overwhelms her again, and she passes out and is greeted by one last dream. Uh, this time, uh, she's greeted uh, not by Riotus, uh, but by an incarnation of herself as Z, the Queen of the Jubilites, in the peak of her rage. Uh, she reveals it was her all along, uh, speaking in the interludes, um, pushing her forward to uh, take up arms and keep fighting. Uh, Z tempts her with the promise of a triumphant return if she's just to take up arms again. Um, and she gestures to the reaches of space around her and says, this could be your, this could still be yours. Uh, Jen is finally presented with the choice of which path to take up. Uh, either the crown of leadership, which will weigh heavy on her and draw blood in exchange for, uh, endless, countless glory. Or the sword that will hang over her head for the rest of her days if she chooses to leave it all behind and live in peace. We as the player are offered the choice here uh, for real. We are given buttons that we can click that change the dialogue, but ultimately it's all up to Jen. Uh, no matter what we do, she rejects the player's choice and she screams to stop trying to order her around. Um, before she wakes up and in a fit of disgust, she throws her phone into the ocean. And then, in the last scene of the game, she Jen turns to where Abby is standing across the bay further down the beach. Um, and she approaches her, and we see them come into each other's arms and kiss. And it ends with a montage of the two enjoying their time together on the island. Uh, they adopt a horse. There's wilderness adventures. They're having just tons of good times before it, they eventually settle down and get married. And the last shot before the credits roll is them in their backyard under a starry night sky where there's a brightly illuminated constellation of a sword hanging above them and darkness above where the crown was before. And that's the story. That's the main story. Yay. Happy ending. Yay. John, what did you think of Psycholonials? I love Psycholonials. <laughs> yeah, uh, I loved it. Um... As you can probably tell, it affected me a lot more than I thought it would on my second read-through. <laughs> it's good stuff. It's really good. Um, it's really fucking good. Uh, I think this is... I, 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 last time, um, I made a really long, meandering uh, comment where I was trying to basically convey that when I read this before, I was kind of a little uh, antsy that its politics were bad or that it was tr trying to disagree with me. Um, but... I feel like now having read it a couple of years later and letting it having simmered on it a little bit, um, the politics of it are just to stand in for, or not quite to stand in, but I understand where it's coming from. I understand more about what it's about. Yeah. Um, like I was talking about earlier, like I think the integration of like real world ideas on like leftism and the, uh, necessary dismantling of the United States empire. Um, I think that where before I was kind of like hesitant about including these things as part of a story like this, that, that ends, that's like so goofy and wide in scope. Um, I think really you can't use anything else to really get the point across properly because having read it again, um, it's super transparent that the whole time, uh, even when she thinks she's doing the right thing, and even when she's doing the right thing in name, or at least, like, working, at least she's convinced herself she's doing the right thing, uh, a lot of Z's perspective is really just informed by her own trauma and her dysfunctional relationship with the computer that 
is all too common today, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that you can really do it about anything besides a significant real-world issue that people feel really strongly about. Um, and uh, I think that kind of leads into the message that we get uh, after the story ends. Uh, the message in a bottle segment. Um, so, after we finish the game, uh, if you go back and you check your save files, uh, there's a message left by Jen to us in place of any saves that you had before. Um, and she explains to us that she left it, uh, that she left it like this because she knew that as a gamer, we would have to go back and check all of the possible, uh, permutations of hitting the buttons in whatever order to tell her to take the sword of the crown. Um, and she saved us, she wanted to save us the trouble of doing that because there was only really one decision she was ever going to make. Uh, she talks about a couple of things. Um, talks about, uh, how her perspective has shifted in the years since she destroyed America. Um, and how she's not really as concerned with how cartographers draw borders on a map anymore. Um, and how the land itself is never going to, doesn't change, uh, even though, uh, even as the upheavals of history move borders around like she did. Um, she talks about how she still thinks about Joculine, um, and what it was like to shoot her in the eyes and shoot her dead. To look her in the eyes and shoot her dead. Uh, she reflects on how her and Joculine went way back farther than uh, she ever let on initially, um, and how they always kind of shared a similar fandom space online, and how there was apparently a rich history between them, a, ri a, once, a rich one-sided history between them of Joculine trying to start shit in some capacity uh, while uh, Jen was too preoccupied with living her life to really care up until the cancellation and down initial downward spiral. Um, and she speculates on whether uh, all of Joculine's mo moves to fuck with her online and try to ingratiate her herself to her uh, after the rise of the Jubilites was just her own way of like trying to express herself the same way that uh, Z was. Um, and just trying to connect with people in, in the only way that she knew how. Um, and she thinks about how she can't really blame Jacqueline for what she did. Uh, and she thinks that they were just trying to fill the same hole inside. Uh, and this is kind of what the, the, the message in the bottle is about. is about, like, how people fill the hole, fill the void of human interaction inside themselves in the internet age. Yeah. Um, she talks about how people find these crusades they can attach themselves to, uh, to cover for themselves. Like, this couple named, you know, it's about ethics in gaming journalism. It's about higher standards in the media that we consume. It's about yada, yada, yada. Um, and she it identifies this as a universal behavior, something that she's done throughout the story, something that we've probably done, Lord knows that I've done. Um, and she offers an alternative in the only way to, uh, to really get yourself out and to really fill that hole in a productive way is with love. And not just the kind of love where you go out and you find the perfect person and you settle down and things are happily ever after, uh, but just the kind of love that you get from people in your day-to-day -day of, like, knowing people who want to see you do better, who want to, who don't want to see you miserable, and who will reach out to you and, like, just help you uh, and be supportive of you when you need it. Um... 
And she encourages us to open our eyes and to seek that out instead of clutching onto whatever cover story that we have like she did. Um, and she signs off uh, with the observation that, in retrospect, the offer that Godhead Z gave her was kind of ridiculous because um, everybody dies eventually. Uh, the sword hanging over her uh, in the days since has not really proven itself to be a serious threat. And uh, it was really... Uh, the only and taking the sword over the crown was the only option that would ever let her have a chance at happiness like she isn't like she experiences now um and any choice that gave her freedom was going to ultimately be the correct one uh she thanks us for simping for her and uh signs off by reminding us that uh once she's gone the only person left for us to impress will be ourselves damn yeah Thanks, Hussie. <laughs> Thanks, Hussie. <laughs> I'm still not sure. I'm not totally sure how to feel about the domestic in a bottle. I think it's really good. I think it's a worthwhile message. But, like, it's so... It's it's so pulling up a chair, sitting on it backwards, and having a real talk with the audience that it's kind of funny. Well, I mean... I don't, I don't know how to feel about it either. Because, like... I feel like most people aren't going to read it because it, it doesn't automatically start after the credits roll. I feel like there's a, it's, uh, if only there was achievement data on steam to track this. <laughs> Cause like you have to like go to the, the load screen to find it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like most people are going to like, just read the the nine chapters, and then after that, they're done. Unless they, like, go back for a reread. Or if there's someone who, like, does make a lot of save files and, like, wants to, like, reference back to something. Because, uh, like, with me, with Psycholonials, like, the, when, when, when I was reading it while it was coming out, I didn't have any save files. Mm-hmm. I, when, when new chapters came out, I just read the chapter, closed the game. And that's how it was going to be until, like, the day the last chapter came out and I saw people posting about the the, the message in a bottle. I, w- I wouldn't have known about it unless I saw someone talk about it. That's fair, I guess. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't really care to evaluate it as, like, something that should or, like, how many people are going to see it or not. But, like, yeah. more so, it it's, it's value relative to the whole thing. And yeah. I think it is a really good message. Um... But I, I feel like the story of Z and Abby stands well enough on its own, you know? Yeah. Um, although I, I appreciate I appreciate uh, the time it takes to be like, hey, you know, you're not going to find the, per- the perfect person to run away with and fix yourself immediately like I did. But there are people in your life who can give you can, can give you the support you need to break out of these have these like patterns of self-harm yeah so i thanks for the psa hussy yeah um yeah i i guess now that i've breathlessly sprinted through the whole thing we can talk about it a little bit um all right what do we want to touch on what's what's on your mind i just love this whole thing it's really good um i talked to before about how z is kind of like a really easily like from the get-go z is kind of not a good person 
Um, yeah. Like, we spent a lot of time talking about from the beginning, like, how she fucked with Percy and how that ended up getting him killed. Uh, and she was lying to him the whole time. And she ended up, essentially on a macro level, uh, manipulating a lot of people into throwing their lives away for something that may or may not be a good idea. Um, but I really appreciate the the angle. I, I think that she really works as I think that that is part of what makes her really work well as the protagonist here. Oh yeah. Um, because I think that like what the story is only about is like, uh, that I, I it's like it's about the healing power of love, right? Like somebody is, is that really... what it's about? <laughs> it's in some way, yeah. Like. Uh, it, it's about how the, the internet poisons us, um, yeah. and oh, how <laughs> even, 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 even with this undeniable fact and the amount of damage that it can do and these like cycles of self-harm that we can fall into, uh, there's, it's still just like online. Um, it's something that we can detach from and find and like find something to turn to that can uh, help us. Um, and it's not, you know, in, in the story, she's overthrowing the United States and she's created, like, a paramilitary island base. Um, but it's still something that she can walk away from, uh, which it lends so much absurdity. It, like, it, it, it's... I don't even know. It, like... How to phrase it? Uh, I like it a lot because it's, it's both a really good... Uh, metaphor for just any crusade you attach yourself to online that you can turn away from and easily find your own Fiji somewhere that's completely untouched by whatever bullshit that you've invested yourself in. Um, but also, like, it makes... There, there's a real point in there to be made about, like, uh, how fast everything got away from Z and how little it ended up mattering in the long run that she was at the helm, right? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of focus given... There's a lot of, like, details throughout the middle chapters about how, like, Z's not directly orchestrating anything that's going on in Russia. Um, when she uh, rants to Abby and she proclaims that she's the one who overthrew Russia and that she is a woman who controls thousands of nukes now, um, Abby's like, but you don't. You delegated that to somebody who gave somebody else an idea, uh, who sees the nukes. Um, it doesn't, it ultimately doesn't really matter whether Z is in power or not. Like the Z's quote unquote responsibility, uh, in the situation doesn't mean jack shit. And we can see that with how in the time that she and Abby spend talking on the beach at the end of the story, uh, there's multiple cues and the Supreme honk effects title is claimed by another person, uh, immediately. I think there's a lot in here that's, like, about um, how much we can really uh, look to one person as the cause of anything and how, like, unhelpful that is at view in, in, in viewing things as well. Um, like, the point about, like, like, you know, like Z's, like Z's insignificance in being the figurehead or Jeff Bezos being the CEO of his Amazon not fucking mattering as soon as he died and somebody else could take his place, you know? Yeah. Um, I like, I, I, I really, really, I, I like it a lot. Um, I, it's, it's a story about, uh, getting lost in the sauce and 
And, that's uh, a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, I, I, as a turn of phrase, like, I, I, that's the first thing that comes to mind. But, like, I, when I say getting lost in the sauce, I mean, like, you know, getting carried up and convincing yourself uh, that what you're doing is good. Um, yeah. And, it, or letting yourself uh, fall into patterns of self-harm or not, not, not even necessarily self-harm, just falling into patterns of harmful behavior that you can justify to yourself um, because you're not listening to those around you. Yeah, I I really I really really loved it. Do, what, what, do, do you have any Do you have any unique thoughts? I've been I've been really uh, monopolizing the floor here. <laughs> uh, what, what do you think about the what do, What do you think about the um the what this what Cyclonials is is trying to say about the way we use the internet? I like the message. I I I, I think I think. I think the idea of, you know, logging off is is, is always a good message. Uh-huh. Uh, the the entire like last chapter, I th- I think is is very good. Uh, I I too found myself getting getting a bit weepy and caught up in my emotions uh, throughout the entire last chapter. Uh, it's good. I, <laughs> uh, I, I did find myself thinking a lot about, uh, I remember when the, the chapters first started coming out, uh, a lot of people, uh, per- particularly the haters, uh, kind of, kind of zeroed in on this idea of how, how Jen is, uh, is, is like this stand-in for Hussey and how it's like this pessimistic reflection on like what 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 being the creator of Homestuck was like. Uh, I think you know you know I think that that's pretty true. I think that that's definitely what this is about. I think they're right. Yeah. Uh, Do we have a list of everyone who said this? Can we get a list? <laughs> sure. Um, and it it's I think it's really funny how how clear. It is like, especially towards the end, how it's not about that at all. Uh, I I reread uh, an interview with with Hussey that was done right after Cyclonials ended. No, it wasn't even like right after. It was in it was November of twenty twenty one, and and Hussey was like even asked like, "Is this about Homestuck?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> And there was a good quote. Uh, let me find it. Let me find it. Hussey suggests the personal allegorical elements in Psycholonials are more like points of inspiration. The story is about Z, after all, not himself. Still, he said that the text works as a thematic follow-up to his personal experience with building a fandom. In a personal sense, this story is an odd fusion of two allegories. It loosely correlates with my past experience of presiding over a big fandom and watching it spin out of control, using much more fantastical elements like revolution and global con- conquest as the backdrop. It's also an allegory for what I'm doing presently with Psycholonial. Z decides to launch a new brand and to rebrand her own image by making a clown Sona and then roll out and uh, as he ta- talks about Instagram. Uh, <laughs> the, the like, the, the is this about Homestuck question, uh, like, it's kind of there. It's it's it, I, I can I can see it being like like Hussey said like a point of inspiration, but it's like not about that. Like that's not the point. 
like even, yeah. e- even remotely closely. Yeah, I I feel like um I don't know. As I was reading it, uh, at no point did I ever really think like, oh, this is like Homestuck, or like, oh, this is like this must be what it's like to be the guy who made Homestuck. Um, and I think th- I, I don't know. I would say that that's an interesting take on it, but I feel like it's kind of a hater take on it. Um, it doesn't really... <sighs> there, there, There's elements... There's certainly elements in there of, like, building something and it getting away from you. Um, I, I I feel like the strongest thing you can, you can maybe point to that would be something with Joculine. Um, and, like, the... the so, like, turning away and... In, in your in your in your absence, things have just spouted out of control, and you've become your worst nightmare. Yeah. Um. Maybe. Uh. I I, I could I could see there being I could see that I could see Jacqueline being in some capacity like a stand-in for something that uh, Hussey has experienced in real life. Um. As, as part of presiding over the Homestuck presiding over the Homestuck fandom. <laughs> um. Yeah, but like I I think that the it's it's a lot more personal than that like i to me uh z is a lot less hussy and more just like every person that you've ever every annoying person that's ever been wrong at you on twitter that you've like cursed that that you've like cursed under your breath (laughs) yeah i I think that like that's really more what it's about because in the end um like when when the the big man keeps it real and we get the direct letter from Jen that is more or less a direct sentiment from from Hussey of what we're we have to be left with I think, uh, comparing it to like f- fandom squabbles like shit that people pop off on online all the time, um and how and and, and Z compares like her, the the her cover story. To stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's meant to be a lot more, like, generically, personally relatable in that, uh, these are, there, you can, you can really mess yourself up by taking online really seriously and only, and in disregarding those around you when they express concern for it. Um, I think... Uh, in in on the subject of Homestuck, um, what did you what did you think of the uh, interludes? Um, with the with the retrospective revelation that, uh, it was, psychological jubilite Queen Z speaking to us during the interludes the whole time. Any thoughts on that? I thought it was interesting. Uh, I don't know if I have any like real thoughts on it because, uh-huh. uh. Like yeah, there's this this little bit of homestuckiness in it, especially towards the end when like we the reader like being referred to as an actual present thing. Uh, we're called a, a clown car of viewers. Yeah. Uh. But I I think ultimately it do, it doesn't really matter. I I mm-hmm. feel like Hussey kind of put that in there just 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 for the fun of the fun of it us mm-hmm. uh, us having a presence in the story because like even 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 as she says in in the message in a bottle like it didn't really matter 
it, it was always her choice. It it the us us being spoken to didn't really matter and like the the choices the choices in the interludes ended up not really mattering. Like she was always gonna do what she was gonna do. Uh-huh. Like I thought I thought the interludes were neat. They added a little bit more mystery to it all. Uh-huh. Uh but yeah, I feel like to, to to me at least they ended up really not mattering all that much. T- to me, um, I started to have some thoughts about it uh, in the in the last chapter of the scene after the last vision where she comes face to face with Dream Z and throws her phone in the ocean. Um, I started to feel like the 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 interludes, um, and the the white text Z, uh, were. St- sort of like a a stand-in for the readers in a way um or like her fans or just people following her who she didn't like like just generally faceless people like following z in some capacity i'm not quite sure what it's going for but yeah the uh what i got from that was like um when uh we're like the the choice of when Z gives us the player the reign to try to make the decision for Z for for Jen, um, I felt like there was a really powerful like correlation between like the 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 her like identifying us for the first time like really coherently in the story is like oh the people want to see you do this, um yeah, and then on awakening uh, after rejecting that um the first thing she does after that is she looks at her phone and she throws it into the ocean. Um, I feel like based on that, that like we as the viewer are, there's another dimension of that where we as the viewer are, some are like brought into the story as like a literal fan of Z's. Um, and that her throwing that, like her rejecting, uh, like Jen rejecting Z's choice and throwing her phone in the ocean was her saying like, I don't give a fuck about what my fans think about me or like, I don't, give, I don't give a fuck about like what anybody else uh, thinks about me, be it a psychotic dream version of myself or uh, my followers or my fans who would be receptive to this. Yeah. Um, I haven't, haven't quite pieced together what every, what represents what in that metaphor. Um, but I felt like it was the, the juxtaposition was just a little bit too significant for it to not be something along those lines. Um, also like with, uh, I guess it makes sense in retrospect that the, uh, interlude voice was referring to her as Jen the whole time. Um, but I think in the beginning also, uh, it, it sort of fits that way as well, given that, uh, we're given, we're made privy to the information, we're made privy to like what her given name is, uh, very early, like very early on as well. Um, so that also just kind of puts us closer to the narrative Z perspective of like this, like uh, knowing her name, like looking forward to what's happening in the story, trying to encourage it. Um, no. Yeah. I think there's something there that I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure of it, but I, it, it's cool and I do like it. Yeah. Um, maybe, may, maybe the most homestucky that Cyclonials gets. <laughs> uh, how did you, how did you end up feeling about, 
you know the 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 riotous stuff in general like all the all the actual like jubilite stuff as a whole i'm still i i haven't given a ton of thought to that yet ironically i think that the the giant mystical clown is probably the element of the story that i've spent the least time (laughs) contemplating i i i kind of figured that because you you completely skipped over the all the stuff that's shown during the credits and i and i i didn't i didn't say anything about it because i oh yeah i i I didn't take notes on all the entire credit sequence i'm sorry uh there's there's a series of political assassinations and there's a little mizzle bip each time yeah uh (laughs) and and there 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 does end up being a a godhead successor uh Mm -hmm. for earth and it kind of we we get shown a little a little montage of like it being spread to other planets oh yeah you see the it reaching out and connecting all these planets and you see all of these aliens uh in clown makeup yeah yeah um um yeah i I think that so the whole all the riotous stuff and the the titular psycholonialism um uh, yeah i'm not quite sure what to make of it still uh the, the the commentary on like imperialism and uh especially with the conversation at the end between uh jen and abby about how, like, them coming to Fiji is also ultimately, like, a small act of imperialism. Yeah. Um, and Z speculating that, like, maybe it's impossible... I forget if it's Z or Abby actually who speculates, um, maybe it's impossible for anybody to relocate anywhere else without committing, like, some small act of evil, without disrupting something for somebody somewhere. Um, and I think that the... I I really just have no idea what to think about it. Um, <laughs> I think that there's some something interesting in the idea of of like framing uh the, like the comparing the transmission of ideas across cultures, um like as a form of imperialism. But I am just not plugged in enough on imperialism discourse to like offer I think a coherent <laughs> perspective on it, and so I'm not sure if I want to try. Uh. But yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I, I just don't. I don't. I don't have an answer. Yeah, I get that. Uh, there, there, there actually is some, some like a, a little bit of lore, world building that that you, 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 can, you can kind of just completely miss out on if you don't look into it. Uh, sure. I, I, I feel the need to remind everyone that uh, the cast section of the game, uh, ev- everyone is a named character in this game, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is great. There's some good names in there. Uh, and there there were some theories floating around, uh, but Hussey actually ended up confirming it. I, I, I kind of mentioned it in passing last time, and I think I brought it up like when it actually happened uh, mm-hmm. in real time. Uh, but... When the last chapter of Psycholonials came out, uh, as we all may or may not remember, Hussey was running two, two new joke accounts on Twitter, Troubled Cosmos and Pop KMBs. Oh, Troubled Cosmos is my favorite. Yeah. Uh, when the last chapter came out, uh, Hussey actually locked down both of those accounts and just kind of like mingled with fans on there in private. It was nice. It was, I remember it was pleasant. That. 
I I I I was luckily one of the followers because like I wasn't. I always trust in Hussy. I I'm always there for the bit. Uh, so I followed <laughs> both of those accounts before they were locked down. Loyalist. Uh, <laughs> and and the accounts ended up only having like 600 followers and 200 followers each. Uh, and on on one of them, like you know, of course, people had questions about psycholonials. Uh, Hussy outright confirms that all of the uh, successors to Secretary of Jape, uh, those are all Mizzlebit. <laughs> like, they are literally Mizzlebit. Uh, if, if you look in the cast section, uh, all of the success- successors to Secretary of Jape all have the the rare Mizzlebip emoji gender. That's, that's, it's literally her. It's <laughs> amazing. Um, Hussey, Hussey said that, uh, she, she faked her assassination and was essentially like puppeting every, every, uh, honk effects afterwards. Um, and I love if, that for her. if you look at the Godhead successors, uh, because it's hard to tell, like, when it happens, when the, like, little circle showing the shadow person, like, comes up on screen uh, during the actual credits. Uh, but the the name of the Godhead successor for Earth is Nozzleburp. And they have the Mizzlebip emoji on their chest. And it was confirmed that Mizzlebip did end up becoming the true successor. She did it. She Let's did go. it. She did it. And that's why everybody loves Mizzlebit. Mizzlebit's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Shout out to uh, the the 19th Honk FX, uh successor, Beat Pootie Juggle. I fucking knew it was going to be the Pete Buttigieg one. <laughs> that was, that's always the one that makes me laugh whenever I see the credits. Uh, mouse gender. <laughs> <sighs> I was gonna. I was gonna say something. Um. Oh, yeah. The 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 true successor. Um. The the concept of the true successor. Uh, I think there's. It's interesting that, and maybe I'm just missing something here, but the the whole time it's like teased that uh, only once you become a true successor can you like really make a choice for yourself, and. Z makes that choice for herself to abdicate that position and to not become the successor to Riotus. Yeah. Um, and I think that maybe this maybe this is the missing piece in the the whole interludes thing, but um I I think that it's funny how it's presented from the start as a false choice. Um but the the falseness of it is really like just the idea that Z ever had any obligation to play by those rules in the first place. Yeah. Um like the that the that her making the choice not to be the true successor I think really betrays um how the whole time uh it's really it was really only her confining herself into this idea and that uh she was like it, it was possible for her to get out at any time if she just accepted the uh the love from Abby. Yeah. Um and I think that's a really cool way to undermine your whole lore. Um and, and I don't mean that sarcastically. Like 
I, I think that it, it can it can independently exist and be really cool, like that uh the whole um Jubilite lineage is like it persists on the back of like the conviction that you can only assert that you can only obtain from being critically internet poisoned. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um man, I I really liked this thing. I liked this a lot more than I thought I would coming back to it, and I'm really glad that we decided to reread it. Um I am too. It, it, it was really nice to, to, to reread it again. Uh, I, 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 I posted about how I was kind of feeling about it like a, like, like a week ago, but mm-hmm. I, but I was reflecting on it even more towards the end of it. It is a shame how few people have read this. Yeah. Yeah. It, this is like a really good, it's, it's so much shorter than Homestuck that I feel like people should know about this as something that they can like get the Andrew Hussey experience from. It it is it is so supremely stupid that like when this was coming out there there was like a stream of people who were like, "Hey, don't read this." <laughs> it it ah, don't think of the antis, John. Don't think of the antis. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess like you know while while we're while we're here heaping praise on it, um. I want to give a special shout out to the visual style of it because it's not something that we really talked about much. Um, but I think that like Hussey's uh visual like Photoshop scrap but like digital scrapbooking style is like really strong uh yeah. throughout. Um, absolutely. There's a a lot of emotion um is conveyed through visuals and uh like. Z's rage, um, the like is just the, so done so well. The sequence, uh, where she finds out that that her mom died. Yeah, Jesus I, Christ. The 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 like visuals of that sequence were like some some of my favorite stuff in the game. It is so good, and it like really gets the like the emotion across. Yeah. Uh. I, I, I know you like literally just said don't think of the antis, but I am once again <laughs> remembering how like when the trailer first came out, uh people were like trying so hard to dunk on the art style of it and and even like when the first chapter came out, there were people who were like, Oh, this is so ugly. No, it's not. It's good. It's 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 so unique and it it, it still has that same hussy flavor. That, that I love so much. It's so good. I, I love the way this game looks. Yeah, it, it arguably it has a ton of value just for, like, looking the way it does. Like, um, I, I would love to, I would love to at some point re-examine it again and go for another examination of, like, how much is communicated visually. Um, but, like, the, the way that Hussey, cho- like, the way that panels are, like, composed of pieces that are ripped from various images of various resolution like there's a lot that's played with here in terms of like uh objects are shown in different clarity like things that are just splashed into to existing uh sets like uh even just like an hour ago when i was skimming this like just to be, be ready again um i noticed that in the when Z is going through the graveyard to go to give her speech um, in the second to last chapter, 
like she passes by a set of tombstones and one of them says father on it and they're just slapped right there like on the side of the panel like yeah. haphazardly and it's like it 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 works really well like it's it's not subtle like it's not that like that's not subtle like that's not, not like an example of su- of sublime visual storytelling or anything but like there's a lot that's conveyed through the image like the visuals of it and i think that uh hussey's kind of slapdash uh found objects style of composing uh shot like composing images uh combined with his own character artwork is really effective throughout and it yeah does a lot in communicating uh the stakes and the tone and just general details about the setting throughout the entire story so shout out to that as well yeah and uh k- kind of as an extension of that i've got to say hussy hussy still got it with the the direction of the cutscenes. like mm-hmm. i i I, I don't know. Maybe it's because Homestuck had such a huge impact on me. I really love the the cutscenes in this game. Did we? Like, did I even mention? I'm, I'm sorry. You can finish. No, I don't even know what I was about to say. <laughs> um, I, I just keep sucking all your thoughts out. Uh, I did. Did I? I didn't even mention that the song that plays during the big uh, mutiny shootout in chapter eight is like a. Uh, a, rend- a remix or like a rendition of one of the songs from Cascade. I think it's called Even in Death. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's that's a Homestuck callback. I forgot about that. That exists. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the significance of that might be, but it is a really good song that fits really well with that scene. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah. Um. Just a ton to love. Like, I, I think it's a great story. We've spoiled the whole thing. We told you what it's about now. So I guess <laughs> if you still haven't read it, um, one, shame on you. Uh, two, go read it. Um, but yeah, I, I, just so so much that I, I... There's just so much to love about this little thing. Um, and it is truly a shame that it is as obscure as it is. Um, I think it might be free on mobile now. I, I might be wrong, but I remember seeing something somewhere about it going free on mobile. This this may or may not be disinformation, listeners. Don't hang don't on. Get too I'm, che- I'm checking. I'm checking real quick. If my if my doo doo phone will load, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 free on mobile. Whole thing. Damn. Go read it. Go read it. Yeah. <laughs> no excuse. Go, go reread it on your phone. Or or if you if you're still listening and you haven't read it yet, uh go and go and read it on your phone. Um because it's free on there. So yeah. Uh I I feel like I've kind of run out of things to immediately say. Um I'm comfortable wrapping this one here if you are. Yeah. Alright. Okay, cool. Well, in that case, um, you have been listening to a Homestuck podcast. Uh, thank you all so much. Uh, John, would you like to thank our patrons as, your, as our first shout out? I would love to. Uh, and and I guess I can I can I guess I can begin with you mine. first. You all first. Right. <laughs> all right. So uh, shout shout outs to uh, our our specific Aiden request patrons. Um, thank you. Uh, Michael P and Poof the Twenty Seventh and John, would you like to take it away with the rest? I would love to. Shout out to the other ten of you. 
uh, Ashen One, Haxus Three, Mel, Tezrak, Amber M, Danny, Caffeine, Gareth F, Simon Martins, and Corin. Thank you, thank you for money. Thank, thank you all so much for money. Uh, it, it's 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 pretty cool. Uh, we're we're in the we're in the, in the post homestuck age. Uh, AHP soldiers still fighting. So th- thanks, guys. Really cool. Um, and it it does it does really mean a lot to us that you feel like you should give us money for our, our program. Yeah. Um, I would also like to extend a shout out to uh, all of the all of our other listeners. Um, pa- paid or not. Uh, having having any kind of listener base is very cool. Uh, thank you all for your loyal simping. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it awesome. And uh, as always, our third shout out uh, I'd like to extend to our artist and editor slash producer Alex. Uh, Alex enables everything that we do. Um, and I know that Mizzlebip is a big favorite of Alex's, so uh, hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully this is a this is a fun one for him as well. So thank you so much, Alex, uh, and we will see you uh, next time. Thank you all so much. Have a good one. See ya.